0: Welcome to the Dork Forest. Jackie and and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make make us laugh and smile. So
1: let's explore the Dork Forest and dork dork down for a while. Hi, Jackie Cation here. You're about to listen to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. JackieCation.com has the links to everything. Merch, the new album, my other podcast, videos of me doing stand-up. Dorkforest.com has all the notes and the video that you can watch of this show. Traditionally, I tell you to donate to the Dork Forest, but it is November and December. I ask that you donate to a local food bank because you should. It's, I don't know, you should do it all year, but what the heck. If you are donating to the Dork Forest using the PayPal link that gives every month, you can turn it off and turn it back on. You can do a matching to your food bank and donate to me as well. But all the money that I get uh, from the donations from November and December, I'll give to my local food bank. And so I will get all of that sweet, sweet karma. Other than that, you can buy merch. You can, for Christmas, there's new, there's new t-shirts and stuff, but whatever it is, the Dork Forest, super fun, always available. I'm sure there's things I'm forgetting to say, probably band camp, but let's get into the show. Hey, Jackie Cation, I'm in my garage. It's happening already,
0: Vish. It's happening already. Already doing it? This is amazing. It's so fast.
1: It's so fast. I just did your podcast. It's, uh, it's Vish Khanna, by the way, I'm talking with. And um, the name of your podcast was Creative Control. Still is. It, it hasn't gone is. anywhere.
0: You said was. It's not. It's, it's present. Not
1: the, Yeah, yeah. Present tense. We're not doing it. And you're like, <laughs> I wish I took a shower. And I was like, you look like your dorkdom. You look like that rugged Bob Dylan.
0: Yeah, that that's vibe. true.
1: You got that yeah. vibe going. It's I nice. Do have
0: that. Yeah, it's true. You're right. Well Thank you. Yeah, Thank you well for played. the compliment. I feel yeah. was feeling self-conscious. Now I feel good.
1: Now you feel good. Cause you're, it's, it, it's a good looking Bob Dylan. Cause that dude absolutely always kind of a goonie looking dude. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know anything about Bob Dylan, by the way, except for that. He was a, was he a rolling stone? He was not in the no, Rolling
0: Stone. He had a song called like a rolling stone. That was it. That was yeah. it. You literally okay. know nothing about Bob Dylan. You know, nothing.
1: I know that my brother, Phil, really likes him.
0: Now, I know some of your brothers seem cool, and at least one of them, based on our conversation, (laughs) one of them I might not jive with. Is Phil a cool brother? Oh, Phil's
1: the cool brother. He's been on the Dork Forest twice. He has talked about hitchhiking, uh, which uh, he, and and he also talked about um, Lord of the Rings.
0: Oh. So those were his two dorkdoms. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is basically an epic hitchhiking tale, isn't it? It really is. That's all they're doing
1: truly truly an epic hitchhiking tale that he is he couldn't be more interested he wants to come back on and talk about fly fishing my brother russ has been on talking about the hallmark channel uh my sister darla has been on talking about uh sort of preparing uh quick meals she enjoys she enjoys fancy meals done quickly
0: that's that's, who doesn't i mean isn't that what fast food is i mean when you think about it uh one of the sandwiches is pretty elaborate it's got three buns two oh, yeah. patties if oh, you were to do that that one. properly yeah it would take it would probably take you you know 45 minutes and and here we live in a society where you get it in three minutes it's true it's
1: just so. out and it's been nuked into a gray color that uh, who doesn't want any part of that <laughs> and,
0: uh... <laughs> absolutely that's Be the way sure. it
1: works. yes what do you know about bob dylan
0: Whew. well you can't see them but to my to my left yeah, uh, we're on a video chat thing here. Uh, I have every single Bob Dylan record and box set. Oh, uh, all of them are here. Is is uh, there
1: redundancy?
0: No, not no, not in the Bob Dylan realm. Uh, okay. I, for instance, I have four Beatles box sets of that are ostensibly the same. The, I have the mono box set, and then I have the stereo box set. Oh. And I have them in both CD and vinyl format. So you're not wrong to ask.
1: This is a valid question, is what you're telling me. There's uh, some, but
0: there's, there's duplication in the sense that they'll put out a bootleg series, uh, Bob Dylan will, I mean, and it'll be kind of a, an alternate version of an album we've all come to know and love. But, I mean, it's really alternate. It's like, bone, like outtakes and, like, the original album might be 12 songs. The bootleg series will be, like, 80 songs. So it's not really. It's like a whole other universe. Right, right. So, yeah, I have everything. Uh, and then, again, everything on CD. With Dylan, mm-hmm. I became. Uh, I, I found out about Bob Dylan uh, when I was a little boy because I would read a lot about the Beatles. And oh, okay. Yeah, so my gateway to music was really my cousin on, and got me into. It. He played me like a Beatles compilation. Sure. And I was like, oh, what? And he played me like The Police and Love and Rock. it's like early '80s. U two got me obsessed with U two, but the okay. Beatles really was the first thing I remember being obsessed with. And so, from a like, I'm talking like six, seven years old, just like obsessed with them. And then I would, I would read every. I was a voracious reader, read every book I could get my hands on. There was a really, you know, as we we're speaking, Jackie, everyone's going off about this "Get Back" documentary about the Beatles. Right, a, I've heard of that. You yeah, heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <so> <laughs> ubiquitous, I would think, but yeah, yeah it's hard was,
1: not to it. Yeah,
0: there was a documentary about the Beatles called, uh, that aired on PBS called "The Complete." Beatles and pleat was spelled like e-a-t so it was a little pun oh
1: anyway, there you go yeah, yeah my
0: dad bought us a vcr and i could record things i was sure. like born to be a media person so i just would record everything i liked i figured out how to do it in fact i taught them how to use it i don't know what right. that but i was very young and so i recorded that Beatles documentary became obsessed with them anyway as you're reading about the Beatles, eventually you get to the point where they met bob dylan and started getting hot and oh wait was
1: he their drug dealer
0: was he, he like the gateway drug guy? Ostensibly uh, in terms of uh, the marijuana. The marijuana? Apparently, yeah. apparently, apparently, yes. I'm sure they were taking amphetamines to play their like 12 hour concerts in Berlin <laughs> when they were like 20 years old or whatever it was. But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, no, he yes. He introduced them to he thought that uh, this when they said. Uh, 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 what's the song? It's called She Loves You. Right. right? Is that the Beatles okay. song? called She Loves You. Sure. And they say, uh, he thought they were saying they were saying, I can't hide. Like, you've got to love. I can't hide. He heard I get high and assumed they were hip to the whole scene, man. But instead, right, man. And they were like, what is this wacky smoking? Right, so, right. So, yeah. Kind of Dylan was their gateway into lots of stuff. And, and they loved his songwriting and music and all that stuff. Anyway, so I started uh, I went to the local library and I got a Bob Dylan Greatest Hits album. Okay. And I thought that, I thought that was the first one. There's there's a few different greatest hits records with that guy. Is it the
1: blue one? Is it yeah? Okay. That's, right. that's the one a, I think my stepmother had that
0: one. Yeah, it's got like his uh, silhouette of his head. Yeah,
1: of his head, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. So that that was my sort of and the oh sorry, I should say the beastie boys. I also like the beastie boys, and they would sample and talk about Bob Dylan on their records. So Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan, was Bob Dylan, right? Right. So right. I get the great I get the greatest hits thing when I'm I don't know, 12, 13, whatever it was. Sure. I like it. I dub it. I, took, I dubbed it from the library. I, stu- I taped it. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. You held a tape player up to the album, <laughs> no, no, the record player? No, no. No, okay. you know
0: what? I give my parents, my dad in particular, credit. He had all the stuff. We had like two VCRs at one point. We could, oh. we could dub oh, stuff. You could dub stuff. Yeah. All right. So you yeah.
1: did it for reals. Okay. Yeah, so
0: I, I think I took out a tape or a CD, and I dubbed the whole thing, and then made myself a tape yeah. of the Great Great Sits thing, but it wasn't really till university- era for me, mm-hmm,
1: where I went mm-hmm. to
0: a used record store in Kitchener, or rather a record store in Kitchener called uh, Encore Records. Give them a little plug. Sure. And they had, they had used stuff. And I was going through the Dylan stuff. Not This is like 97, I want to say. Okay. So I'm going through the, oh, what else had happened? By the way, I'm all over the place, but that's the way it is with Bob Dylan. <laughs> in 1997, he puts out a record called uh, Time Out of Mind. And I go to the university newspaper at the University of Guelph uh, office and they say hey take what you want we need record reviews take oh okay it. so i take time out of mind out and hang on let me see if i can grab it i'm all synced up here but if you get here so this is what time out of mind looks like jackie okay so if you look at it there's bob dylan he's looking kind of older right yep. yep you see that Yeah. yep he's but in on the middle but on the back oh he looks, he's a he baby a little, well he looks younger i think it's the same era but he looks a lot younger so i was right. confused by this release i didn't know what it was but it was in the new section i thought is this another greatest hits thing but i took it home and i loved it and this by the way stands as my favorite 97 my 97 favorite.
1: time out of mind that's this, that's your what's on that one
0: so uh this is the only one he won the grammy for in terms of like hits here's songs yeah. i sing to my daughter okay uh, and my son every night i play guitar. And I sing these two songs in particular. I sing uh, "Make You Feel My Love," which was, in the last ten years, uh, exploded because Adele covered it. Okay. Made it a bigger song than it was. This came out kind of quiet in '97. Right. And so I sing that one to my daughter. And I, it's one of those songs where uh, I don't know if you have any regrets about your wedding, but I, uh,
1: yeah, <sighs> what just one. <laughs> <laughs> and then so we didn't
0: record who the speakers. Oh, that is, uh, that Oh, you're that talking is, about okay. a
1: different kind of regret. No, no, I
0: thought I thought that's where you're going. I have one major regret <laughs> no, about no. my wedding day and the decision I made. No, no, no. I regret not singing. I had like my family was from all over the world really was there. Right. And I I dabble in music and the band that I uh was in at the time became this like wedding band uh that we formed. And they played. They played, but I didn't I didn't perform. They, someone else played drums. Someone else sang songs, and I well, did all sorts of things. we you were
1: getting married.
0: Feech. I was pretty busy. Yeah, so you were but busy I re- that day. I regret not singing uh, some songs to my wife in front of my family, who might have thought that was a nice thing. That, that it was know? sweet. Yeah, yeah. I, I say this with all humility. I didn't think anyone really wanted me to sing <laughs> anything because I can't do it really. But, but I say, I say to you, I regret it. And this song, "Make You Feel My Love." Would be a very nice and sweet song to sing on your wedding day for anyone listening who's like, what should I I play music? What should I do? Great song. And then the other one I sing uh to my daughter, uh, which is very long, Standing in the Doorway. That's a lovely song. Very heartbreaky. This record is very swampy, I guess you would say. And anyway, it got what to does me. that mean? Swampy. The the ambiance of the recording is like a part of the character. It's not just great songs, but Uh, The people who made the record with uh, Dylan, notably uh, Mark Howard, the engineer, and Daniel Lanois, who produced it, uh, went went after kind of a gauzy sound, like a thick sound. Remember when you were on my show, and I was telling you about the thick uh, North Carolina air? Do you remember this? We were talking about North Carolina. I was like, oh, the air is sweet. You can almost taste it. This record has the same feeling. You put it on, and you're kind of it's got a hum to it, it's got like an ambiance to it. So that really helps uh, just sort of, it creates a mood. I remember I put it on once when I was driving with my band uh, many years, like a, like twenty uh, 2003 or something, four or five, something like that. Sure. And uh, the singer in the band had never heard it and we were pulling an all-nighter and he just was like, this is, inc-. it felt like a midnight to 8 a.m. kind of record. Okay. Like, very late night, anyway get this thing from the school newspaper and I put it on. I'm like, Oh, this is a new record. I guess these aren't, these aren't hits right. even though he, lo- he looks young on the back and yeah. I, I fall in love with it. So then back to my uh, story about going to the record store in Kitchener, I got a little fever now. So then I go uh, to the record store and I'm going through the used CDs and there's a co- copy of John Wesley Harding, uh, which came out in a 68, 69 era there. And that, so I, I isn't uh, that not murderer? No, no, who's John Wesley. John Wesley Harding. Sorry, it came out in 67. Uh, Yeah, he might have been a murderer. He's a mythic folk character. Sure. Okay. I think there's also a modern day singer who goes by John Wesley Harding, actually.
1: Oh, wow. All right.
0: So uh, anyway, that record also opened a whole universe to me uh, about Dylan that I didn't recognize because I had the greatest hits. I knew of him. Uh, I knew he collaborated. I'm a big U2 fan still when I was a kid. He was on Rattle and Hum. Co-wrote a song with Bono and the Edge. Okay. And 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 yeah. Anyway, so I I he was peripheral. But then I got that John Wesley Harding record and the band sound. That this record, Jackie, so, so you know, is considered like a harbinger of folk rock. Uh, okay. Re- really, like oh, this is. It's not just folk it's not just you know And this is 67 this is 1967 if if yeah I'm I'm just making stuff up as I go and I hope no, I as an enough. expert it's, yeah. it's
1: You don't what have to is, be an expert I like the enthusiasm I like <laughs> the years, articulation yes.
0: For years I thought it was 68 but I recently and I don't uh, my internet's all off here or I'd look it up but I, I in recent years you know sometimes you just have it fixed in your head that something's one thing and then you read one thing a different thing and you're like oh the thing I've been thinking for 20 years Right. Is a year, I'm a year off. So it's technically 67. I always thought it was 68. John Wesley Harding, another gateway into, whoa, this is more than the greatest hits guy. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is this is a guy that I got to explore all in. Then I just got all in. I first saw him in Toronto in the year 2000. Uh, OK. At the, what was then called the Molson Amphitheater. And then I was obsessed already. So I was it. Collect- a, was it a big? Is it a big venue? Yeah. That's like, well, an outdoor amphitheater. So it's one of those, it was like outside. 70,
1: 80,000 kind
0: of uh, sports. No, 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 There's like okay. a probably 15 000 to 25,000 maybe. Okay.
1: So big, but it was not, huge. Yeah. It was but, big. Yeah. Uh, so, sort of like an outdoor, is it like grassy? Yeah. Okay. So you got
0: the, you got the, the stage and then you got maybe like a, a pit area yeah, then you got rows and rows of seats. And then you have like a grassy embankment for the cheap people, the cheap seats, if you will. Right. right. Yeah. And so I that was the show I saw. And then I subsequently have seen him uh, like 40 <laughs> times. Oh, my uh, God. I saw Since
1: 2000. That's like yeah. twice a year.
0: Here's a here. I'll grab this if I can get it off the wall. This is a poster. It's not coming off. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Are you in a hotel room? No, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know how they
1: always nail them. Uh, that is in show and concert the Newman Outdoor Field, Bob Dylan. Fargo, North Dakota. Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, are you, wow. Guess what's happening? My gardener is is here. It's a Monday. What's he doing? (laughs) Uh, And when I I I say gardener, I mean guy who cuts my lawn and blows leaves around my yard. Um, I'm just
0: trying to prove to you that in the year 2001, I saw Bob Dylan a lot of times. So I saw him in uh, Toronto in November. Okay. That was the second time. And then I saw him in uh, on August 16th, 2002, which was the 25th anniversary of Elvis Presley's death. I, right. wanna say. I think that's correct. And in my master's thesis, which I handed in that day, which was about Bob Dylan's 2001 album, which came out on nine eleven, Never forget that great record. Uh, came out on uh, Love and Theft came out on 9 11. That's very poor taste. I understand, but I can't help it. It's, anyway, it's decades it, later. It's fine. It fun. came out on what are the odds that one of his greatest records came out on such a horrible, horrible day? But yeah, does he, uh, does
1: he have any bad albums?
0: Well, you, I mean,
1: I, we don't need to talk about it. But I mean, like,
0: no, I think there's virtue in in all of them, and that that sure. recently uh, occurred to me because I reviewed uh, for a magazine uh, this latest bootleg series collection which focused on his 80s, which are commonly thought of as a, a pretty rough period for artists, not just for Dylan, but like Neil Young had a bad 80s. Only one who had a, only iconic person who seemed to have a good 80s was Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Uh, and, and of course, Madonna and Prince. But I mean, of the 60s and 70s dudes.
1: Iconic yeah, era.
0: Yeah. 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 I guess George, George Harrison also had a pretty good 80s because he kind of came back out of nowhere. But anyway, my point is this. Yeah, he has some dodgy records by his own admission, but. Uh, one of the now, best
1: ones came out on nine eleven, 11, 2001, September 11th,
0: 2001. It's called that, Love and Theft. And I was doing, I just started my, literally just started my, uh, my one year master's degree in English at the University of Guelph. And they tell you, you got to write a big paper. Yep. So yep. I ended up, I was like, what should I do? I don't know what to do. I, I was wrestling, I noticed there were some allusions to Shakespearean plays. On love and theft, and I thought, oh, that would be really Englishy. If I that, talked
1: about that that is a stretch, and I love that reach. Well played. <laughs> but,
0: but then, what happened was, I really dug into the record, and as I did more research, I realized it could be the whole record could be the focus of a paper. So I, that ended up being my year. And then, as I say, I, I got to hand it in. My degree was like September to September, basically. Like September to August was the nature of the of the degree. So on August sixteenth, two thousand two. Hand in my thesis about love and theft, go see Bob Dylan, play songs from the record. And he plays Tweedledee and Tweedledum, which I argued might be about Elvis and his dead twin brother. Okay. Because uh, Elvis was a twin. I did not know that. Elvis Presley was a twin, but his brother passed. Did, uh, did, did uh, he, he make it out into the. No, 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 he didn't make it. So okay. he. So. Did he make mother, it out of the womb or. Uh, you know, I wasn't there that day. I don't know the full medical details. I'd have to look it up on Wikipedia. I feel like he did not survive uh, that aspect. The birth. He was not yeah. He was not born. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, that's right. I believe if you end up ever at Graceland, there might actually be, beside Elvis's uh, gravesite, I feel like the oh, lost mother. I
1: actually was at Graceland, and I saw his grave, but did not notice any other grave. It could be I'm
0: making that part up. I okay. can't remember, but I feel like there was some commemoration uh, of this fact. Fair uh, enough. In, in the Elvis But Tweedledee anyway,
1: and Tweedledum?
0: Yeah, that's the song. Hopefully I got the title right. I feel like I'm just winging it here and I'm getting everything wrong and all the Dylan people are going to be mad at me, but that's what happens when you're riffing. But
1: and that's anyway, what I,
0: and they, that's, they're going to love it. He did that song that night and then I was scheduled, so I saw him in Toronto on August 16th and then I was scheduled to go visit my friend in Saskatchewan and we had had a ticket, I think, to one of the, he was, so Dylan was doing like a cross-country tour, but he was also dipping into the States to right. play places so like Fargo. And so we had, my friend and I had tickets to, uh, uh, the, the shows, uh, the show or shows in Saskatchewan. I think it was Saskatoon was the only show. And then we made a plan as a road trip to go see him in Fargo, which, uh, we were stopped at the border by the border from Saskatchewan to whatever the state is below it. What would it be? I don't know. I don't know I got the geography, but it's like probably Montana or something. Sure. I don't remember, but the border guard was all like, Oh, going to see Bob Dylan. eh?" so, uh. <laughs> got anything in your car you want us to know about? And I was like, I don't do drugs. I don't do any uh, drugs at all. I don't drink. I don't do anything like that. Not right. that but uh, my friend was a tennis at the time. He's now a lawyer, but he was a tennis instructor. So his trunk was full. We left from like a tennis camp thing he was doing in Regina, Saskatchewan, right to go to Fargo. It's just right. the so the guy's inspecting the car and making all these like innuendos about drugs and i don't know all the names what is one of the names that, <laughs> is it thc or something is that what you call uh, that, them? That, yeah i think that that's the active ingredient in marijuana yes so I'm, I'm going to see bob dylan i don't know anything about marijuana which you know i'm just like he's like making references to that and i'm like i don't know what that what does that stand for and my buddy's like it's dude it's pot like shut yeah, up yeah. Yeah, anyway yeah. he opens a trunk full of tennis balls and tennis rackets like i don't know what he thought we were doing just rammed full of balls and rackets and uh, he must have thought we were odd but anyway he let us go i,
1: I don't know why i thought it was going to be full of cats um, <laughs> cuz a cat got <laughs> i don't know it was
0: like
1: <laughs> he was a tennis guy that anyway was a tennis
0: guy so we go down to fargo and uh, i go to the blockbuster at the fargo and i say Get hey out a party yeah exactly well we're in a plaza there's not much to do we're we're very early for the show so I had a actually playing tennis at a tennis court near the venue in Fargo because sure. we had a lot of equipment with us. I yep. decided we were in a plaza. I'm like, you know, it'd be funny maybe go to the Blockbuster Video, ask people what they think of the movie Fargo. Man, this was not a well. I no, was,
1: it's not a great idea. The people in Fargo were angry. They were they, angry. That's yes. exactly.
0: I can tell you that my reporting. <laughs> At the, the, they clerk, were not fans. The clerk yes. was like, "Just so you okay, yeah, we get this all the time. Ha ha ha. Just so you know, like the action of the movie doesn't even take place in Fargo. They just call it. They meet in Fargo. They have nothing <laughs> to do with it. They're in Bemidji. They're in Moorhead.
1: They're just <laughs> they're not in Fargo. They're up in the Iron Range. It doesn't make any sense. Why would they even
0: call it Fargo? I well, just remember that being notable about the trip. As I did that, and then. <laughs> So anyway, then uh, we go see the show, and Bob Dylan and his band are playing in a Little League baseball diamond field. Ooh. Now, he would subsequently do – he liked – I think that was the first one that he did in that era, but he subsequently liked it so much. They were – so Bob Dylan and his band, they come across as like uh, uh, loners from out of town, cowboys. They carry themselves with a certain gravitas. Yes, and they don't, yes. They don't say a lot of stuff. They don't – they're very stoic. Uh, and his band at the time was one of the best bands I'd ever seen, but they were so. And so I'd seen him a bunch and had noticed the stoicism and the seriousness. Dylan rarely even says anything except to introduce the band members in Fargo. And I vividly remember this giggling on stage because he, he thought was, it was so funny. I think he was super fun. It was yeah. super fun to play in a little league diamond for him.
1: Here's my question Is he yeah. playing on home plate and the audience is sitting like shortstop?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. We're, we're, yeah. We're, I think that's correct. I think they're on home plate. We're all, as you can imagine, a diamond goes out like this. So we're yep. all assembled. Yeah. So there is a great show. And then um, we, my friend, I tell him when I get there, like, just so you know, with Dylan or people like Dylan, we might want to go to more than just the shows we have planned. And he's like, get out of here. What are you talking about? We're not going to go to Calgary and Edmonton and these other shows. I'm like, okay, <laughs> he gets the fever. So we go from Fargo or wherever. I, th- I can't remember the order, but I think we went from Fargo, followed him to Alberta, bought seats from the people on the street. Like the
1: Grateful Dead. Like you just followed Bob Dylan. Well, yeah. I mean, that that is that is the iconic one. That is the one yes. that everybody talks about.
0: Yes, But that's in right. this
1: case... It's 2004
0: and you're following Bob Dylan around Two 2002. It's a fall okay. of 2002. So we we're following Bob Dylan and then this became a habit for me. So like I literally like I don't mean to invoke a drug habit, but like it gets addictive because the shows I think are fantastic. They're unpredictable. He uh, does songs in whatever mood he strike that strikes him like the arrangements as the tour goes on or they get going, but they don't sound like the records, which people find really difficult to deal with they don't like it
1: right it's yeah yeah, people like to sing along yeah which is weird because in stand-up comedy they want to hear different jokes but in music they want to hear the album for some reason
0: yeah yeah i've never bought it there was a trend uh the last 15 years and i don't know when the when the record industry started dying and people the, the 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 story was that people weren't buying records anymore right And then I noticed a trend where the artists would say, Hey, come see us. We're going to play your favorite album front to back in order. And to me as an avid concert goer, I'm like, why did you just ruin the entire experience of going to a show, (laughs) which is based on being surprised by what the artist does. Maybe they take a song in a different direction. Now they're not only saying we're going to try to play the album, the songs faithfully to the studio version, we're going to play them in order. So instead of, which I found distracting when I would see Bruce Springsteen or someone say, we're going to do the river in order. I'd be like, okay, well, the next song, he'd start a song. I'd be like, okay, well, I know the next song is Sherry Darling. So, okay. I know what the next song, I just, uh, the whole point I thought of going to see a show. Right. Was to be surprised. Right, right. There, there,
1: yeah, yeah, there should be some sort there should be something different about a live experience than, than, than a, than, than a recorded one. That is interesting. Did other people like it though? Were, people, did they, were they psyched that he was doing that or they were doing that?
0: Well, so Dylan doesn't do that, just so we clarify that part. He would okay. never do that. His songs change uh, sometimes five shows in. The arrangement might change completely. And uh, he just goes where he, Dylan has a philosophy that I really abide by, which is the, the record, the recording session is just that day. That's okay. what happened. That's what happened those days. We were in there. But the song can be anything. And some people have a hard time with that. I've seen him at. Uh, I kind of love that. I kind was, of love that attitude. This is yeah. what I love about him. So it's not simply that I think he is our arguably the most influential and important musical artist of these times. Like when people say, "Why do you go see him so much?" I'm like, "Well, if you knew uh, William Shakespeare was touring through the world, uh, you probably would be like, I mean, he's not an actor. This is a bad example. But if you knew someone was kind of <laughs> doing something and they were significant." Right. Uh, You know, if Gandhi came to your town, you'd probably go see Gandhi. I don't know how much touring Gandhi did. I don't think he did much. He was. I think he was on foot. He was working the road. uh, I think his whole most of his life. Um... Well, looming looming wasn't that portable back then. You had to be stationary at the loom, I think, is how that worked at the time. But I I have to Wikipedia this to confirm. But my point is, he is circulating in our time. I'm going to go see him.
1: Right. Right. He is still alive.
0: He's still, he just turned, uh, I'm insulted. No, I'm kidding. He, <laughs> he, uh, he turned 80 this past May as we're speaking. Okay. And and, uh, and was off the road because of the pandemic for the longest time in like his life, other than when he actually took deliberate breaks in the 60s and the 70s, I should say. But since like the 80s, he's just been touring, I don't know, 200- Kind of nonstop? Yeah, nonstop. Yeah. So this is why I've seen him so much. And I've seen him in- Detroit and Fargo and across Canada and all across Ontario, which I don't live in anymore. Right. Uh, but anyway, he did just recently do, uh, we're not post COVID. We're not post pandemic, but he is among the people that took the risk of uh, going out and uh, doing them. We're a... post lockdown is we're what we really are. That's, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So he did. Yeah. Just like you, you've been touring as well. So people are doing it and it's making me uh, upset because I want to see him. And, and you but also people, don't
1: want to get a breakthrough.
0: <laughs> I don't want to get a breakthrough with my I have children and they're just now got, they got their first vaccines here in Canada. So hopefully they're, and then we've got this with the variants and yeah, I don't want it. I just, I'm a, I'm not ready yet to go get it myself. Right. Uh, right. Cause right. it seems yeah. to be impacting people, even if you're whatever. So yeah, even my,
1: if you're vaccinated, it's there, there, you could get super sick. So yeah, like I'm boosted and stuff. So okay. it's, yeah, which, um, which has made me not cocky, still. But I was in Florida this last like four days ago, and I don't know if you know what happened in Florida, but uh, clearly COVID did not, because uh, oh. there aren't any. There's very few masks. There's no mask man. I mean, there's it's
0: a pile of demdums. So, um, uh, it's a leadership thing. You got that? Uh, is it Ron DeSantis? Is that the guy down there? And that's him.
1: That's it. It is uh, trouble from the top down. Yeah.
0: So if you could
1: fix the top, there will be. The, yeah. it, there will be some help yeah
0: yeah yeah so Dylan, but my So just, you um,
1: haven't been
0: to see him I, in I, two I, years. I, he was playing the that's right and he's been playing the united states he hasn't come up here to canada if he did he probably would come to ontario and i always thought when we moved in uh, late 2019 well if dylan's playing i'll probably try to make a trip of it you know if he's doing a bunch of shows but uh, i almost yeah i talked to some people on my show who were like uh, I haven't talked to anyone who's gone, but they were going, and they've okay. since gone. So I should check in with them. But people are posting clips. Uh, Dylan quit smoking in the last couple of years, few years. Uh, he's been off the road. Uh, the clips tell the tale. His singing is fantastic. He's hitting notes. It's great. Uh, I always like his. People get mad or upset about uh, his singing voice in his uh, later years, but I think uh... so. The thing is with Dylan, I'm a yeah. punk. I come from punk rock. And okay. I think D- Dylan is a, a punk rocker. When I, when I talk about the fact that he's like, the recording's just a day, man. Yep. Whatever the song wants to be, it wants to be. That's an element of uh, relaxation and looseness and borderline nihilism that I can appreciate. <laughs> and then when, he, when he attacks the songs, he's uh, he's got this growl to it where he's kind of matured into the kind of blues singer that inspired him when he was a kid. Right. 50s and so he's become to me this beautiful singer like I think it's very earthy and, and significant people can be like oh his voice is gone and all that stuff and I think there have been times where his voice has been labored but well
1: did he I, I isn't he famous for never having really a great voice?
0: Well that's what people say but I I, I think he's also so famous perhaps yeah well he's, he's famous like I talked about John Wesley Harding and the next record Nashville Skyline which I don't know if you know it, but it's got Lay Lady Lay on it. Okay. And his duet That's with Johnny Cash. Yep. Yeah. And if you if you listen to his voice there, if you're familiar with like a Rolling Stone or any other era, but if you listen to what he did to himself, like he, he sweetened his voice willfully. Okay. In 69, 1969, in 1969. And then didn't really, he sang like that for maybe the next collection of songs, which is sort of a kind of a compilation called self portrait that came out in the, uh, 70, 70, 71, kind of thing. But he just willfully changed his voice I and mean, he's throughout, he's got these eras. So you become a little obsessed with someone when they're the same the whole time, just sure. consistently great. You know, I think Neil Young is someone whose voice has kind of mostly been the same. Like he if he sang a song from 1971, he could pretty much pull it off. Uh, okay. But Dylan, I think in the same mindset as the song is whatever it wants to be and I'm there for it and I'm going to, follow whatever muse i have in that moment his voice has also just changed and uh i think it's been interesting you the 80s i think is an era that people have the most trouble with it's the one i think comedians and impressionists are that's what they're right right yeah
1: that's what they make fun of which is where i get a lot of my dylan information it
0: isn't okay yes but
1: um (laughs) but the uh, the thing is like i get most of my information about adele from a comedy yeah so uh but right. the, but so he grew up in the 30s and 40s loving blues loving yeah. sort of a bluesy jazzy kind of thing he
0: was born in 41 uh and uh got into rock and roll music buddy holly he got to see buddy holly uh, uh i think a week or two before buddy holly uh, passed away in that horrible uh plane crash right right uh so rock and roll really spoke to him I just finished this book. I'm sorry, I have lots of visual aids.
1: <laughs> That's good. This will be on YouTube. Is this going to be? So, on YouTube? Yeah, it'll this, be on I YouTube. I just read
0: this book by uh, Clinton Halen. Uh, Clinton Halen is a, a dylanologist. Uh, who is what? He, what people call him? Right. The ultimate, the only dylanologist worth reading. New York Times. That's what. All right.
1: Like. The so, dylanologist, as opposed to like a, a just a biographerist or but bi- but bi- bi- uh but. Bi-
0: yeah and whatever a, the
1: word biography would be if it were used as an adjective it's yes. a bit
0: of a loaded term there was a fellow uh in the in the 60s and 70s who had harassed dylan uh in turn in the name of journalism going through his trash and all this stuff and then oh dylan- my dylanology is kind of a loaded term uh us dylan fans some of us like it or, or some of us are fine with it i should say some of us are like what are you he's so obsessed with it i I'm on the show with you to talk about my obsession with him, but I'm also right. like, I'm a normal person. I'm not going to go. Right. You're not going to follow
1: him around. You're not no, going to tackle him if you see him. No, no. That's... If, I,
0: if That's right. If I encountered him, I think I'd say, how are you? I don't yes. think I'd be like, you Great. might I say
1: I enjoy your work. Yes. When when I met when when I first met Walter Koenig, I was so intimidated because of my love of Star Trek that when I shook his hand, I may, I looked deeply into his eyes, which he slid away from real quick, yeah. eye contact wise. Yeah. Uh And I said, I really like your work, and he said, "Great." Yeah. And then yeah. and then he st- and uh, that was an, that was intense enough. But yeah, the dark force safe space to get no, to love.
0: Yeah, I think, but I think it can open up the uh, the can of worms. Where uh, if someone like me was in the wrong space, I'd see Bob Dylan, I'd say, "Hey, you're Bob Dylan. In 1966, you said blah blah blah. What did that mean?" (laughs) And then he'd be like, "Dude, I don't. What are you talking about? Like, I'm not Uh, that. You're not that guy." I do admire the living in the moment thing. Yes, I do. So I think, like, I think there's lots of great mysteries and things that you could unravel about him and his work. But I don't fix it. I, I I was thinking about it. It's almost maybe. Uh, to my detriment, because I consider myself a Dylan fan, as you can tell, like a huge fan. Very much so. But there's aspects of his nuances that I don't know. When people are like, use certain shorthand, I'm like, oh, this is a whole dark web of Dylan knowledge that I just don't really know. or And you dealt-
1: don't feel like you need to know, to some extent. Yeah, okay, there's
0: certain, certain respect for him in that regard, and also recognizing that he's so playful uh and is i think you know mess. he's from the 60s uh, you should go watch like his press conferences in the 60s because he's got the press figured out he's got perception figured out early he realizes you can mess with people a little bit because the questions are so it's like a post-game interview with an athlete so you scored 50 points and uh, you beat the other team what was that like these are the kinds of questions that musicians right. get like you made the you played the a chord why Well, how am I supposed to answer that? So you watch those press conferences. He's very funny. He's very sharp. And he likes to kind of mess with people a little bit. Oh, Jackie, there was a thing that came out in the last couple of years. Uh, Martin Martin Scorsese and Dylan made a kind of documentary that's sort of a faux documentary about the uh, Rolling Thunder review tour. It's on Netflix. Okay. Watch it because you should watch it and know that almost 60% of it is made up but presented <laughs> really yeah they just made stuff up made up characters made up people sharing stones in it pretending that she encountered <laughs> dylan in the 70s like a whole thing i don't want to spoil anything right right fantastic if- sense of humor like so my thing is i've seen dylan make jokes on stage i i i love the wit about him right uh i lo- i think he has fun with the fact that people take him so seriously Because,
1: I mean, he's literally in my mind, he's some sort of icon of of justice and and um, sort of philosophy. I mean, he he's like our 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 American philosopher. Yes. And so to hear that he's also kind of silly, it's just smart, silly. Yeah. I like playing in a little league. This is hilarious. I'm having the time of my life.
0: Yeah, no, he yeah. has a lot of fun, but he presents himself as very hard. And I think, uh, like, if you see I'm photos grizzled. of him, yes, yeah, he can be grizzled. He's mostly pretty clean shape. I don't know why you're so obsessed with the grizzling, but he's not that. Uh, <laughs> I'm grizzled. I, he's not that grizzled. But anyway, yeah, he he's he's always sort of like trying to uh, humanize himself, but also escape every pigeonhole. Every time he does anything, there's some element of pigeonholing him in the reception. Is there?
1: Because people are like, he's a like. What are the, what are some of the pigeonholes besides philosopher and grizzled, which are the two that
0: I seem to have? Well, I think <laughs> people think he's up to something a lot of the time, and I. But I will give them credit; he does seem to be up to something a lot of the time. Like Don, <laughs> just like putting out a record, he'll do a thing where he'll agree to a Victoria's Secret campaign. And people are like, what the oh. hell? Why is Bob Dylan and his song did he from sell this,
1: out? Did he from sell this out album? It, yeah. from that very album? It's well, a Victoria's I mean, Secret.
0: Yeah, Victoria's Secret Love Sick. The song is used in the ad, and he appears kind of like a weird, like phantom, you know, really yeah. playing on the kind of notion that he's this living specter. Like, I think he really enjoys being ghostly <laughs> and weird. And, <laughs> and I think he knows that all he has to do is stuff like that. And people start talking about him. I'm not saying he's attention starved per se, but it's kind of fascinating how easily it is to get people chatting about you. Uh, and I think he figured that out early and thought he would have fun with it. And I think that's, that's what punk is too. Like, I think they may not cop to it, but when I think about prototypical punk, uh, interviews, Lou Reed and Iggy pop did like, well, they still have
1: to fill the room.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not, I just think he's endlessly fascinating and uh, I can't, I don't know what it is. I think about him every day and uh, he's still, I think it also helps that unlike uh, some of his contemporaries, his records are all great. Like he continuously makes fantastic, great records. They sound like nothing else. Like he has moved into this weird realm of, I don't know what you would call it. Like he was doing kind of blues, Rocky stuff. And then it got kind of, big band jazz swingy now it's some some amalgam of last few times i saw him like songs from uh, a 2012 album sounded like post-punk songs and like so always has these killer players with him and he's just an i think he i mean he's 80s he's 80 i I imagine he's not so with it in terms of like trends and stuff like that but then when you go see him yeah you get you get the sense that he kind of is he kind of knows how to present his stuff so that it comes across kind of timeless and weird so i that's where i'm coming from i just think he's fascinating
1: right is does he now here's literally one of the only i loved this song when i was a child it's the only song i could think of it's blowing in the wind yes. and um i loved it i would cry uh when i would sing it when i was because we had music class this is the 12th century you guys uh they used to have uh, music classes in public <laughs> well, my, school
0: when my i was kids, in, my kids have music classes don't, don't you live in canada yeah that's true. right uh, Yeah, that's right. Uh,
1: the united states has decided to get rid of anything artistic yeah, that's uh, true. my music teacher when i was in fifth grade dressed like a dragonfly it was 19 you know i mean it was 1975 <laughs> she was wearing a lot of diaphanous wavy kind of
0: I see. She was amazing.
1: We oh. sang "Puff the Magic Dragon" and "Blowing in the Wind," and um, and w- literally just kids, just st- tears streaming down their face while they cried "Puff the Magic Dragon" oh. while they sang it. It was an awesome. Uh, uh, it was <laughs> when I look back on it, it's kind of epic. <laughs> but so here's what I don't know, and I'm sh- I'm almost certain that Bob Dylan writes his own lyrics and yeah, music.
0: That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Bye. And
1: and he plays the guitar
0: and piano and harmonica and okay. uh, yeah, he mostly in uh, the last uh, so I noticed it and I don't know if anyone else has really talked about it but when uh, Warren Zevon, the musician Warren Zevon, Okay. uh in like 2001 or 2 announced he was terminally ill with the uh, cancer uh warren famously played piano and i noticed that dylan shifted away from guitar completely to start playing uh piano and keyboards uh which he has continued to do basically ever since and i and, and, sorry that was coupled with the fact that he began to cover some of warren's music uh, oh okay so so he would switch to piano t- i, I, I as, as far as i can recall he just switched to piano completely for his own songs because he composes a lot of his songs on piano. Okay. Dylan, Dylan does. It uh, has since the 60s, uh, not simply uh, guitars. And um, so, yeah, if you go see him live now, you'll see he generally has a keyboard set up. It got so interesting to the point that people have speculated he could no longer play guitar. Oh, weird. Arthritis <laughs> or something. But then oh, okay. every, once, but every once in a while, he would, he would play guitar. I once saw him... Do a song. I think it was "I'll Be Your Baby Tonight" in uh, I want to say it was London, Ontario. Okay. And he, I, I've never really seen him do this before. He sang the song and soloed the whole time while he was singing. Normally, a guitar player who's singing would yep. say, hey, "You other three guitar players, uh, one of you play rhythm, and the other two, you know, wank around. Just you know, just play some solos, do some stuff." He was just singing and soloing the whole time, and I've never seen him do that before or since. And so he could play. He can play guitar, and he does on the latest record, Rough and Rowdy Ways, that came out in uh, 2020. Anyway, yeah, he uh, composes a lot on piano. I'm sorry, did I answer your question? Yeah, you
1: did. Yeah. And, but, I, but my follow-up question to that is, does he do a lot of covers live?
0: Yes, it depends. Uh, around that same time, George Harrison passed away, uh, and so he did, uh, he did something, I want to say, the song Something by the okay. Beatles that George wrote. He did the Warren Zevon thing. I saw him play two shows right. in Detroit in, I don't, I wanna say it was like 2006, let's say. Could be wrong, but no, it was maybe 04. I saw him do two shows. He was doing three shows at a venue in Detroit. And I went the first night, and uh, the, that day, the governor declared it uh, in Michigan Bob Seeger Day. So Dylan did a <laughs> Bob Seeger song in the encore, and everyone went nuts. Right. Again, I don't think he'd done him, him and his band had done it before. Or since they just did it that night, and then the next night, my wife uh, happened to be uh, her sales job brought her to Detroit. So we agreed we would go. We got to meet up and see the second show. And I says to my wife, I says, "You know what's going to happen here tonight? I bet that either Jack White of the White Stripes okay. or Eminem will join Bob Dylan tonight." And I was sort of joking. That we were in right. Detroit. That's where those Detroit. guys. Are from. Yeah, those guys live there. I, I'd seen the White Stripes do Dylan songs live. Uh, I, knew, I knew Jack White loved him. Mm-hmm. So the second night's rolling along. Great show. Encore. Who steps out onto the stage? Jack White. What song do they do of Dylan's? None. They do a White Stripes song. Dylan. Oh, my and, gosh. Dylan is singing the song Ball and Biscuit by the White Stripes with Jack White playing guitar. I don't even know if Jack sang. I don't think he did. So what, what are you? You're Jack White you know you're probably odd years old right not only are you singing with bob dylan he has chosen to sing one of your songs yeah come, come on like that is so they have this like close relationship and is there
1: uh, is there bootlegs of some of this stuff
0: just I've sort of floating for around some, i've looked yeah. for some of it and i feel like i encountered some shoddy youtube recording of sure a ball and biscuit i think i i think there is that on the bob dylan site that Warren Zevon and George Harrison stuff uh, I was alluding to, it might still be up, but at the time, the BobDillon.com site would post live, cool live MP3s. Okay. Of of such things. So I heard them do something, and I heard that. I had that somewhere probably saved. Yeah, that's uh, super fun. Yeah, so he, he has done covers. Uh, in fact, uh, prior to this album, Rough and Rowdy Ways, he did... Uh, three or four song uh, albums rather devoted to the works that Frank Sinatra would sing. Oh, weird. Yeah. So he loves Frank Sinatra. He got to sing at Frank Sinatra's uh, birthday celebration. Okay. Frank Sinatra liked Dylan's songs. So he got to sing a, a Sinatra standard. If you, again, Sinatra didn't write his own songs generally. Right. So, so when but just you talk, the songs that Sinatra's famous for famous, singing. Yeah. yeah. So Dylan did a, a an amazing My Way. Did he well, do he My did, Way? So, no. So that's just it. He did an amazingly well-curated version, versions of songs that are kind of deeper Sinatra cuts. Oh, sure. Uh, and and sort of adopted a real film noir vibe for them, if you will. Like the videos are all kind of shadowy and dark and okay. really, suit, really suit the songs. And uh, so much. So I have this weird thing. I'll tell you right now, Jackie, I have like a bizarre connection to Bob Dylan in that I will write reviews or I will. Ask if I can go to shows. And the Bob Dylan people say, Yes, that would be great. Let's let's get you uh, you know, I I i I pay for the good seats and I say, Can you hold them? They say, Yeah. And so I'm like right there in front of them. But they've blurbed me. They've blurbed my reviews. Uh, and for one of the albums, I believe it was Fallen Angels. It's like uh so and so from the New York Times, so and so from The Guardian, Vishkana for now magazine says five stars, or whatever I said. I'm like, I know this is like a little minor thing, but I'm like. Uh,
1: except for it isn't.
0: Yes. First of I all, feel, it wouldn't be, sad. even
1: if you weren't a huge Bob Dylan fan, it would still be a big deal for for someone of his stature to say, Vishkana, uh, this is a blurb uh,
0: that this man has uh, <laughs> that this done. I, I, I think it's a people. little testament to something. Like, I can't. It's yeah. bizarre. Like, I, I feel, and, and they blurbed. I, I wrote a review of the latest uh, bootleg series thing there, Springtime in New York. And they blurred that too. Like they grab, you know, they grab all yeah. the, the the critics uh, assessments. They posted my review of his album Tempest on their website. And yeah. I, I was just like, I feel seen.
1: I yeah. You feel seen. You feel, seen. You sure. feel your <laughs> life is weird. That, that, that's one of those things where you're like, I like you so much. You know who I am.
0: That's where I'm yeah. coming from. And I don't yeah. think. He knows who I am, but maybe, he might maybe not, they, but he might. when I when I write to his camp and I say I have this idea, they say, OK, well, we're talking to Bob uh, next week. Uh, we'll bring this up. I'm like, holy <laughs> Lord, like the fact that they would even, you know, often it's not right. just about me. It's about whatever uh, entity I'm representing. But wow. So he seems plugged in and yeah. uh, and I feel very deeply connected to him. Your question or your, your thought was about blowing in the wind. And I feel like I knocked us off course. What were you going to say about blowing in the wind?
1: Well, here's where, here's something you should know is that we're, we have about 10 more minutes He's yeah, sorry. been one of my favorite guests in the way that it's plug and play, and uh, it's just like, oh, dude, what do you want to talk about? Oh, and then fifty minutes of Ishkana talking <laughs> of talking uh, about Bob Dylan.
0: Sorry, so, was that was that okay? Have I gone it on? It is too the long? best. Okay, it's the best. I great. thoroughly
1: enjoy it. The only thing that would that would ruin it is if you never stop talking about it, and <laughs> then I had to say, hey, I'm going to stop recording it.
0: Well, uh, you know, as a fellow podcaster, I. This is me on that the other. That would not side happen. My, it's a, I feel exactly. I, feel like I can be a little verbose, but yes, I You're love doing him. the job. Yeah, yeah. I love him and his work, and I've thought about it a lot. So I appreciate you letting me talk about it. But yeah, here's. It's, so, it's, so
1: here is something I usually do when it comes to musical dorkdoms, When I don't know anything about the the musician, or I don't know enough about the musician, I like to sort of. And you've had no warning. Yes. So, um, I I like I. If and you could do it over the next couple of days because this will go up in a week. Um, uh-huh. to make sort of a playlist of eight of your favorite songs. Okay. Just eight.
0: Because and now what, what format do you want? What what service are we using to make this play? Well,
1: most people use Spotify, but since Spotify has taken all of my albums
0: off of Spotify,
1: uh, because I asked for eight cents instead of uh four te- four hundredths of a cent every time they play a joke of mine on Spotify. So they in uh I'm part of some sort of it might be a class. I don't know what you would call it, but some sort of a bunch of people saying, hey, could you play stand up comedy and pay us like musicians? Uh, they're like, oh, we're just going to take your comedy off.
0: Yeah, I I will. Uh, I mean, hopefully uh, I don't care. This could yeah. hurt me. I hate them. Uh, I don't know if you notice it when what I are usually. Yeah. Well, I'm an Apple person, so I just got Apple. I'm not saying any of them are very good. First of all, again, you can see my shelf here, can't you? It turns out you have a CD player and, an, no, and no, a record no, no, player. No, these are records. Yeah, I don't I actually, do, I don't have this. I have like 1,800 CDs in the basement that I brought here from Ontario, yeah. but uh, or 2,000 maybe it is, but I actually currently do not have an active CD player. I only have my Toyota, 2020 Toyota Sienna has a CD player in it. Okay. That's it. But no, I have records and I play them on my record player. But when I tweeted about your appearance on my show, I don't know if yeah. you noticed this, I, you very... Uh, Graciously retweeted it, but I include options for people to listen, and I always, because they're the biggest ones, I include Apple, uh, Google, which I don't actually know if that is very big, and then (laughs) Spotify. But if you'll notice, I do uh, to save space, I just did little symbols. So for the Apple, I use an Apple emoji. For Google, I use a magnifying glass uh, because you search on Google. That was my joke. But then for Spotify, (laughs) for Spotify, it's a little devil emoji because I begrudgingly am including it because I think they're evil. And the fact that they did that to you and other comedians is heinous, reprehensible. Yep. I hate them. I don't use it. I only use it for business purposes. But for okay, You uh, could make a YouTube list. Oh, I could do that. Sure. I'll do whatever you want. I, I don't yeah. even if, if well, people if it's easier offhand, for Spotify, I don't care. I'm just saying I don't like them, but I can use whatever yeah, you yeah. want. Right. Yeah. Right. And fair enough. But
1: but for these last couple of minutes, could you think of of and and you could change it when you send me the the yeah. mix, but um what are some of your favorite songs?
0: Okay, so there's a version, yeah, I will I will think about it, but I will also say off the top of my head, I mentioned uh this record Time Out of Mind. Right. So there's a I mentioned two songs off it that I love, obviously I sing them to my kids, but I'm going to go with uh Cold Iron's Bound from Time Out of Mind. Okay. I'm going to go with um probably probably Mississippi from Love and Theft although I'm partial to other really great songs on that record. That's a 2001 one. Okay. I'm going to go with, uh, as I went out one morning from John Wesley Harding. Okay. I'm going to go with Million Dollar Bash, which I also, my daughter actually requested that last night. That's from the Basement Tapes, his work with the band. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with, (laughs) um, this is harder than I thought. Something right. from Live 1966, maybe, uh, maybe telling me, Mama. Sorry, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at my collection of music.
1: No, you have to, you have to look deeply into the into the bowels of your uh, vinyl collection.
0: Yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm just looking at, through all the eras, and uh, I will go with um, one more cup of coffee from Desire. Okay. Where, how many songs are we at right now? I think we're at six. Okay, then I will go with. Um, <laughs> Maybe uh, I have to tell you I think I've heard Of two of them Well that's fine That's, this that's is and a, you, you But said he's super
1: you, prolific too
0: Let's just go back In time to the point Where you asked me If he was in The Rolling Stones Like this is the <laughs> level Of expertise I knew <laughs> that
1: he wasn't In the Rolling Stones I thought that he wrote A song about Rolling Stones
0: He has collaborated With the Rolling Stones Okay uh, uh, in live, I mean. And uh, I did
1: ask if he was still alive.
0: Yeah, that so is also the, not, not great. Not it's a, a great nod. Look.
1: <laughs> it's not <laughs> a great look.
0: I'm going to go with If Not For You, which he wrote with uh, George Harrison. Oh, okay. He's uh, on uh, his album, New Morning. And just to throw a... I'm going to go with Tweeter and the Monkey Man by The Traveling Wilburys. Do you remember The Traveling Wilburys? I've heard of them, yes. The Traveling Wilburys. This is fine. Don't. I hope I don't come across snooty or snotty by saying... Oh, hey, not no all. Okay, so Traveling Wilburys was like a super group that formed in like 87, 88. And right. it was kind of a lark, but it was George Harrison from the Beatles, Roy Orbison from Roy Orbison, Jeff Lynn from Electric Light Orchestra, oh, Tom right. Petty from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and Bob Dylan from Bob Dylan. And they had a band. It was just like a lark, but they all wrote songs together. They had that handle with care. That's right. And End of the Line were some big singles. Yeah. So Dylan wrote this amazing song called Tweeter and the Monkey Man. Mm-hmm. And it's got a lot of New Jersey allusions, some allusions to Bruce Springsteen that are really funny. Okay, so I'm go with that one. So I think we're at close to eight. That and, looks good. Yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. I contain multitudes, maybe from uh, the new album, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Sorry, I, it's, it's there's so much to choose from. This is all off the top of my head. That's it. Uh, it's
1: um, yes. and and off off the top of your head is is the way it ought to be because people who love bob dylan who are listening to this are like i'm so glad he mentioned a lot of these deep cuts you know yeah and um and that book so have you read a lot of biographies about him since since the yeah
0: i've read a lot of bob dylan books i have there's a i can't show it to you because of my computer stationary but there's a two or three shelves of just bob dylan books oh wow Uh, i've had people who've written about bob dylan on the show uh greal marcus notably uh who uh has famously written about Dylan. Um, yeah. So I've read a lot. I've watched a lot. Uh, I said earlier, like sometimes it doesn't feel like enough. Like when you, when you're talking to like a super obsessed Dylan fan, they'll say something and I am, I think, but then they'll say something about the coffee he drank in <laughs> Israel. And I'm like, Oh yeah. The symbolism of that. I forgot about that. Like I'll just forget things. Cause my brain is, I have children and I have the information I used to right. I remember sometimes i think i know a a year yeah and i only recently discovered that the year i thought it was for like 30 years is not right and and i pride myself on my memory so but
1: but here's the real question was the coffee that he drank in israel did it matter
0: i'm just uh that was a random example example. okay the thing he's one of these people where people look for meaning in every single thing he says and does Right. That, so the- that, that feels like either he's playing them or
1: they're playing themselves because I mean, as, as important, uh, an artist as he is. And I, and I do, and I do, I, I love the lyrics. I have a hard time understanding the lyrics when he's singing just because yeah. of his enunciation. But, um, I love the covers when, I, when somebody else does a Bob Dylan song, I'm like, Listen to those lyrics. So those that's interesting. Great. Yeah.
0: So, so some people have a a thing about his voice, but I, what I was trying to argue earlier is he clearly can sing anything he wants. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he, he's shown it like he's had a different and voice. With albums, they often put the lyrics in the liner notes. Yeah, they, they do. And I, uh, and, and you can see them all. Every single song he's ever written is on BobDylan.com. Yeah. Uh, you can read them all if you want, and they come across well on the page. For me, as a singer, uh yeah. his his approach to phrasing uh is like nobody else really. It comes from listening to people like Sinatra and the great crooners. Like he I sing a line to my daughter in Standing in the Doorway all the time, and I'm gonna biff it right now, but it's because I think it's one of those things where if I know the whole verse, I can do it. Yeah. But he basically says something like, uh yesterday everything was moving too fast. Today it's moving too slow. And he he sings the fast part. Super fast. And he says yeah. the slow part really labored. And so he gives this character to these lines Right, it's almost meta. He's he's a very clever singer. And right. when, he, when he dials down on a, a line or two, he really gives them everything he can in the moment. It gives them this rich character, which I appreciate as well. So all this to say, I think, uh, I hope I put sort of the bug in your ear to go you check You really in- did. Okay. This, this has been a
1: fascinating hour. Of about an artist that I have always enjoyed in passing, and so this sort of deep dive into it is—I love it. I love a a, oh, a dork I... out where it it's it's not and yeah, I got information, but I also got some fun stories and a sort of a new glimpse into the guy himself. Yeah. So, uh, Rangers, we're listening here to Vish uh, Kana let's let's get it right bishkana and uh the na- the name of your podcast is creative control they're two k's because of some lyric because of some song
0: what is it yeah there's a song by a band called hot snakes that i copped the uh title from the show from and was using their theme music with quasi permission okay uh, but i i don't use it very much anymore i happen to i often just use a little bed track from the artist i'm talking to but i don't know if you know you wouldn't have noticed this jackie but that song by Hot Snakes, Creative Control, was featured on your episode because you didn't have any music I could use. Right, so, right. There's no music.
1: And <laughs> so, so yeah. there's just Mike Rickberg singing uh, the, the Dork Forest theme song that you will <laughs> hear. That's
0: and uh,
1: so, uh, but it's at uh, Vish vishkana but Vish is spelled V-I-S-H and Kana is spelled K-H-A-N-N-A. It'll be in the notes. I just did uh, Vish's podcast. You could do a little crossover if you like. Thanks so much for doing the show, Vish
0: absolute pleasure jackie thank you so much for asking me it really is an honor thank you you're welcome
1: and rangers you know the rules out there take care of each other
0: my hat my hat my hat they're dancing around my hat my hat my hat my hat well what do you think of that if it looks like a mexican hat dance and it sounds like a mexican hat dance it's most likely a mexican hat dance so take off your hat and let's dance
1: yay oh my god we why don't we just call that as the end of the show